welcome to Culture Plan B. I'm David Jubb and this is the fourth episode in which I will not be interviewing government ministers about our cultural crown jewels. Instead, Culture Plan B will be meeting with artists and communities who create culture outside big cultural institutions, like most people do. Today I'm delighted to be meeting and talking with members of Company 3, a theatre company that is led by the ideas of its 75 members who are aged between 11 and 19. I've been lucky enough to see some of Company 3's incredible shows, often created in less than five hours a week, and yet they are award-winning and their work has been adapted for BBC Arts. But today I really want to find out more about how the company works, what the young people get out of it, and what they think needs to change about culture. There is absolutely no evidence that young people were engaged with government ministers to come up with the pandemic bailout for culture, so all the more reason to hear their voices about what they think about the future of arts funding. Because after all, it is young people, communities and independent artists who are responsible for the big leaps forward in contemporary culture. Yes, it's true that new artistic movements of our time have not been cooked up by artistic directors of big cultural institutions. Think grime, think street dance, think spoken word. Our culture is created by and owned by young people, communities and by artists. Even though you wouldn't think that by looking at the structure of funded culture. If you have an idea for someone to feature in one of these podcasts or you want to create your own episode of Culture Plan B, then just get in touch with us at cultureplanb at gmail.com. I hope you enjoy hearing from the inspiring members of Company 3. Hello, Company Three. How how are you today? I'm doing really well. Yeah, good. I'm okay. yeah, I'm good. I'm great. Yeah, I'm doing good too. Nice. Cool. It's good to be here. It's very very nice to have you all here. So this is exciting first for Culture Plan B because we are a group of seven on the podcast today. So so I reckon actually what we'll do for listeners is just start by asking each of you just to introduce yourselves and maybe just say a sentence about your relationship with Company Three. Yep. Uh, well, my name's Angie. Um, I am a full-time staff member at Company Free. So I'm the administrator and projects coordinator. Kind of do a bit of facilitation, stage management. Um. Amazing. I hear that at the moment, because of the incredible time capsule project that Company Three is doing, which is, I think, working with 215 companies, and part of your job is that some, somehow <laughs> you, you keep in touch with all of those companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Main point of contact for all of them. So anything that anyone needs sort of comes through me first. Amazing. Bailey. Hi, I'm Bailey. Um, I've been a member of Company Three for four years, I think. Five years. <laughs> I think Company Free was one of the things that really helped me realise what I wanted to do with my life and that's acting Wow, I'd love to hear more about that and congrats on your recent viral Instagram which I watched this today <laughs> which is great uh, Ned uh, Hi, I'm Ned I'm the Artistic Director of Company 3 um, I started it uh, 12 years ago 
and I've been on the most amazing journey with it and kind of discovered my artistic reason for being in the world, I think. I didn't know it when I started it, but I know it now. Nice one. Thank you. Elana, tell us about your connection with the company. This will be... This, sorry, this is my sixth year. It's nearly been, I've nearly spent six years at C3. Wow. I mean, it, it's been six years, so it must be a, a bit good, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's six years and you are still here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but we've I tried, hit, to, we've I, tried to kick her out loads, but she won't go. <laughs> 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 I, hear you, I hear you're prodigiously musically talented, though. Oh, that is so sweet. Yes, I do play the saxophone from time to time. <laughs> yes. Damn, I should have prepped that and we could have had you playing. Kezia, Kezia, tell us about your connection with Company 3. Um, so, yeah, I'm Kezia. I've been in the company for the same amount of years as Bailey, so five years. Oh, I had an older brother in the company and he's amazing. He's gone now, so, you know, carrying on the family legacy. Yeah. <laughs> that's good he cre- created some space for you by going away yeah Elia, tell us what's your connection um i'm alia and i've been in the company for five years as well i think that company three has really made me show like show my skills on stage and like helps me to develop as a person because i i think without it i wouldn't be where i am now today that's amazing. Thank you so much for those introductions. I mean, it's interesting that already, even just within those, you've talked a bit, you've talked all really affectionately and passionately about the company, but also about about what the company has meant for you. But maybe we should start by just hearing a bit more about actually, what is it? What 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 is Company 3? How does it work? I mean, let's go back before the pandemic, because I'm guessing it's like changed and different now. But maybe Kezia, tell us about yeah, what is the company? How does it work? Literally, what happens week by week? They have a big weekend that we've all been a part of, and it's a two-day like kind of session of making loads of work. And from there, they invite uh, your sevens and your eights to become a part of the company, and they do their first year as part of the year sevens project, which focuses solely on what they have to say and how they like are as year sevens and their qualms and everything they have to do. And then you kind of join the bigger company and then you're there till year 13 or if you want to stay for a year longer, you can stay. And you never really leave company free, you're always part of the family. Company free is just basically a massive family and they just help you to make work and theatre that really speaks to young people and helps adults understand what we're going through. What made you want to join? Yeah, what what was it for you that made you, I guess, want to take that extra step and connect with the company? Was there something about it or was it something about, yeah, what was it? I think it was brainstorm because like, I'd seen like my older brother kind of doing C3, going consistently. And I went to watch the scratch, like the very, very first like brainstorm at Platform. And I was like, this is really cool. And I like kind of want to like get involved. So I think it was seeing the work that kind of impacted me and I was like, this is something I want to do. That's cool. Thank you. So, Aaliyah, go on. <laughs> what was your, yeah, that, that first connection point for you? My teacher had given us leaflets for Big Weekend and since forever I've always wanted to join a drama company. So my mum, I told my mum about it and she was like, yes, do it, join it. And then after I did Big Weekend, 
I um, got um, a letter from them and a suite in the letter as well saying that I got in and I was I was excited yeah so I, I was really excited to join because it was something that I wanted to do for a long time. That's cool so how does that Ned how does that work in terms of then who you're choosing to join the company how does that work so that must be really difficult I imagine are there always more people who want to join than can join or how does that work? So I kind of believe David that like that whatever you do when you set up a project that involves people like coming towards you in, in whatever kind of community context, like th- th- there's always selection. Like if you just set something up and it's the first come first serve, then that's selection, right? And so what what we try and do is we ask teachers and youth workers and social workers in the local area to nominate people who they think will really thrive in our work. And then the first taste of that is something called Big Weekend, which is like an introduction to our work. And after that, we work with those teachers often and, and other professionals to kind of go who's got a story to tell in this room do you know what I mean who's really going to thrive in this and I'm like I won't embarrass her too much but like I really remember Alana arriving for the her first week big weekend and I don't know if this tallies with you Alana but like I, I remember you arriving and you were year seven and you were really nervous is this your memory too yeah I remember crying <laughs> I don't remember you crying, so you've just outed yourself on that. But like, <laughs> but I remember you being so nervous and I saw you and I thought, if she manages to get in this door, <laughs> like, like that's, that's it. Do you know what I mean? There's obviously both the capacity to kind of engage and to want to be there, but also like the risk and the, you know, the need in some of those as well. So, Alana, tell tell us a bit about that, Alana. Tell us a bit about that journey. I mean, it sounds like it, the big, big weekend started not dramatically, but anyway, anxiously. But, yeah, what, tell us about your Company 3 journey from that point. From that point? Yeah. So, basically, I remember crying when I went in. Um, and then Susie was there. And then we spoke about gluten-free food. We had, like, the same intolerances. So then that reassured me and then I went in and then it was fun. I don't know, I can't actually remember, but I, I survived. And how are you different now, Alana? How am I different? Well, if I walked into a room full of people, I would not get overwhelmed, certainly. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> I think there's something of value in it. Do you know what I mean? Like when you feel like, when you get that letter that Aaliyah or Kezi, I can't remember, described like, Rather than, I think there's a principle in our work that we never beg anyone to be part of our work. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like if I have a party on Friday and I I beg you to come. <laughs> I'm like, please, please come to my party. Like, no one's going to be there. Please come. Like, do you want to come to my party? But like, I kind of think we should value our work higher and we should always like offer an opportunity rather than a desperation. And I think that puts a better value for people in in their approach to the company. Do you remember the big weekend, Bailey? Did you was that how you connected with the company for the first time? Yeah, um, my teacher went and she handed us a leaflet, and I I was interested in drama at the time, but I didn't like know that was what I wanted to do. I ended up feeling I enjoyed the first day, but I was like still kind of weary of it, and then the second day I was just more like, you know what, it's the last day. Let me just give it my all. I gave it my all. And then, like Aaliyah said, you got the um, the letter with the suite inside it. I completely forgot that I even had done the big weekend. And then I saw that. And then they said that I could join. And I was like, yay, I'll join. 
that was good. It was fun. It was a fun experience. And it hasn't stopped being fun since. And if you fast forward to now, Bailey, in 2020, several years later, what does the company and being part of the company mean to you now? The company's given me like, kind of like a second family because we've gone through quite a lot in only five years. You just have that like feeling of wanting to protect everyone and just feeling like they'll protect you at the same time. That's something that I believe strongly as well. I feel like we're a big family and like we're all human and we all sometimes, sometimes we don't always agree with what one another says, but at the end of the day, we know that we're going to come back and come back stronger because we have this one performance in common. And I feel like that performance is us in a way. Like when we perform together, it's all of our ideas and all of our thoughts and feelings that have gone into the play, whether we've said our own line or whether we've said someone else's is still us and all of us are engraved in that play so I feel like that's what really creates a family because every single play that we've done we're all inside of it as you're all speaking and I'm listening there's a kind of a there's like a powerfulness about what you're saying which feels I mean I think about myself at ages you know 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I, yeah, I don't feel like I had that same sort of power that you're, that you're talking with. Angie, what's your experience of having been in the company, but now you're working kind of for the company? Do you still get that sense of family and connection and, and, and power? Do you still feel that or? Um, I think it was like really different when I was part of the company because of the, the way that the company's developed has really changed. A lot of the work that I did or was a part of, a lot of the work that was created was commissioned. So we had a lot of like writers that would come in and we'd do sessions with them and then they'd be commissioned to write a play based on something that we'd been exploring. But I feel like the company's moved away from that and a lot of the work that we create is very much like with the members and they have a say of what gets put in it and it gets written like a lot of the words that the cast say on stage, I feel like is stuff that they've said during sessions and activities and things that we do is all from a task that maybe the directors bring into the room, but then the words that get put in the play are the words that the cast have said. But yeah, the company's really changed in that sense of like, I feel like a lot of the work is very much centred around things that the members say um, and I feel that a lot in what we, we're, where we've been doing the summer projects. Um, so summer projects run in August um, and it's a week of everyone just coming in and everyone working together. So normally sometimes we work in sort of the different age groups, um, in the different groups. But in summer project, everyone from the company from 11 to 19 years old comes together and works on whatever it is that they'll find interesting so maybe there would have been something that someone mentioned throughout the year whilst we were working on a play but we didn't get to explore that thread a lot so we'll just bring back lots of things that people might have said and then in that week new things get brought up and then from that something might come up that's been like a common thread that lots of people have been talking about and then that's what might be sort of a starting point for the new term in September for ideas of things to explore um so yeah, that growth of going from commissioned work and having external writers coming into the work now just being sort of by the cast members, I feel like is a big change that's happened since I was in the company to now. And Ned, presumably that's a conscious change. And 
it would be really interesting to hear what you think that change has meant for, yeah, I guess for different generations of young people that have come through the company. I think we've gradually been on a journey to where, where maybe at the start we were, we were thinking about teenagers in the way that a lot of the world thinks about teenagers. And the, the, the way a lot of the world thinks about teenagers is that teenagers need to be developed into adults and they need to be turned into good adults. Um, and I don't know much how, how much you guys think of this, but like there's a lot of talk in school and like the world about when you're 18, when you're 21, when you're like, you've got to think of the future, you've got to think of the future. But like, there's no other decade in life that people do that to anyone. Like you don't sit in your 20s and someone goes, you've got to think about when you're 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You don't sit in your 40s go, go on, you're going to be 50. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like you, you say, enjoy your 20s. And like, even with young kids, you say, enjoy being five. Like, you, you know, hold on to those years. And what can you do and what can you make happen in those years, as you say, rather than trying to kind of prepare for some moment? Yeah, like why are you preparing for being like 18 when you can enjoy being 15? And I think I think we've learned as a company to celebrate teenagers for exactly who they are right now. And like we have a principle in the work that we will meet. I will meet Kezia Bailey, Alana, Aliyah, all the rest of the company members for who they are right now. I'm not, I mean, I care because time exists that they are, you know, progressing in a good way do you know what I mean that they're happy and they can see a future for themselves but like each of those guys who we're talking to now are incredibly valid intelligent human beings who have amazing thoughts about the future and can really change the future right now let's not wait till they're adults because their brains are really astonishing and we should utilize that right now and and I don't I think we've learned that as a company brainstorm really helped that like and we've learned that if that's the case, then we need to find a way to listen to teenagers better. And so we've shifted all of our working patterns and our vision and mission and everything we do as a company to make sure that young people have a space to be heard. And we don't always get it right, I don't think, because it's theatre making. It's really complex. Do you know what I mean? And like often we're trying to like make a piece of work that speaks for 20 people in the room, which is basically ridiculous. But sometimes we do really get it right. And, um, and when we do get it right, we see adults changing the way they think about teenagers. I sometimes say our audience is the audience that all the other theatres want (laughs) because it's the friends and family of the young people we work with, right? And they're the audiences that all the other theatres are trying desperately to get into their buildings, but they come very happily to ours because they love you guys and they, you know, they want to see you and they, they care about what you say. And that's where real change can happen. I can tell you so many parents who've seen pieces of work and have been different with their kids after it. Is that something that any of you guys can speak to in terms of like experiences you've had of being going through a creative process with Company 3 or being in a production where it shifted yeah, your relationship with either a parent or a brother or sister or, 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 your, or indeed just your relationship with yourself? Um, yeah, is, is it, would anybody want to be up for talking to that? Uh, yeah, um, I, I, I have. You go one. first. <laughs> um, there was at, when I first joined. I remember kind of like what Angie said. When we would do, when we would make shows, it was more the directors kind of writing it, and then we would perform it. Um, and then there was one. There was one show that didn't go as well as we would have liked, and I kind of felt the company like shift into giving us more of a voice. And that t- that kind of made me like realize, oh, what I'm saying is kind of is being heard, and like it's being absorbed as well. And now it can be put into something useful. And I think that's something that has stuck with me now because now when I when I think something, I'm not afraid to say it. That's really powerful. And lots of your 
company members are nodding. <laughs> so I'm guessing there. I'm guessing that's resonating and connecting with people. Kezia, were you did you want to say something? Uh yeah. Um I think it's not so much like my parents' mindset, but it would be just the ability to go watch theatre, to be honest, because my parents are very supportive of me and my, my siblings, like um like just involvement in arts such as Company Free. But I think it's just nice to know that National Theatre right now are doing like loads of uh, production reruns on YouTube like they'll come and sit down and we'll talk about what we've watched and stuff and I feel like it's important to like reflect on shows and stuff and they'll talk to me about the shows we've had and what they liked and it's nice to be able to just talk to them about theatre even though they don't come from a theatre background and I feel like a lot of people don't kind of get that opportunity so see if we kind of open up that conversation to be able to talk about it. Yeah that's lovely. Alana, are there any moments you look back on from the last six years that you kind of think, yeah, that was a that was a really important moment for me? Um, yeah, well, I have something I want to say anyways. Um, yeah, yeah, go for it. You say, say what you want to say. Because it's related to what you were talking about before. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I guess what is, I don't even know, fun about C3 now, mm. back in the day, I guess what we would say stuff, and then Ned will go into the office and write a script. And now we kind of do it too. But it, it would be more like we'd actually get to, like, help form the play, you know, the structure of it, the script and stuff. And, like, yeah, we got, got rather involved. So that's been a positive thing, has it, to feel that kind of agency, that sort of... Uh, connection that you're like the co-authors of the play yeah definitely it definitely felt like this is this is our play like it made it so much more personal I think for all of us yeah and the hard stuff about that is that all these guys have so little time do you know what I mean and actually that's the only thing that stands in the way of like even more co-authorship I think in our work we've opened up a second night of the week <laughs> like Imagine having five hours a week to work on a play. Like, that's luxury for us. And it means that sometimes Angie or me or whatever, we're having to do a little bit more work in the middle. But the dream is to sit down with you guys for weeks and weeks and weeks on end and script and co-author and, you know, write. But we have opened up this second space where, like, it's a bit more drop-in. Like, you can come if you're really into the dramaturgy of the piece. Like, if you really want to shape and structure it and play and get really deep into it. And I'd say, like, Alani, you're someone who really does that. Like, you're a really brilliant writer, for example. And, like, you know, and so <clears throat> it's been a space where we can throw drafts at the, around and rip them up and rewrite and stuff all together. Like, I think an artist in a room is really important. A professional artist in the room is really important. But I also think um, the more I can give away my power in that room, uh, the more the voice of the young people who are actually the experts in the thing that we're trying to make the play about um, will come through. And I've been amazed that you guys as a company have kind of carried on during this pandemic in that we, we mentioned earlier, Angie, the amazing Time Capsule project. I don't know if somebody just wants to describe uh, what you have been doing with those 215 companies that have been, you know, working along with you. Just, yeah, does somebody just want to describe the Time Capsule project? Um, so... The time capsule side, I think it's been like 16, 17 weeks now. And I think we kind of had this idea in our heads 
pre-coronavirus, but we didn't know how to facilitate it yet. So it was kind of the perfect time to get everyone to kind of well, encapsulate what they'd been doing over the, the next few weeks. So it started off with a like, message to the world. And then over the, the next few weeks, we're building up like things we would have done if there wasn't a pandemic. We do like food, we do like family members, lots of different topics um, from a young person's perspective that included maybe members of family or just the scenery we had around us. And yeah, it literally is the name. It was a time capsule, but instead of having just it um, exclusive to our company, we opened it up to the world. And I mean, everyone had an opportunity to do the exact same things we could do. It, they didn't just leave us to our own devices. We'd have Monday sessions where we'd all as a group join and kind of discuss what we'd do for that week. They'd give us tasks, we'd do them, they'd help edit it. And, you know, we just enjoy watching it and the final product every week. It's amazing. And it's gone global as well. Are there kind of companies outside of the UK that are involved? Yeah, there are a lot of companies. I think there's like America. I think there's Spain as well. They're doing it. And you translated a whole Spanish language version of the blueprint that we make to accompany it. Did you use Google Translate, Angie, or can you speak Spanish? Uh, yeah, I can speak Spanish, but Google oh. Translate helped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> made the process it. much quicker. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, it's an incredible project and I think just speaks to Company 3's sort of national and international reach, just in the, in the way that you guys can start something which is the seed of something, but then actually just blows up and goes all over the place. I think it's important because it helps us think of ourselves as a campaign rather than just a theatre company. Like, we want to make change in the world and there's no point in us just being one little safe space for young people like, we want the whole world to be a safe space for young people, for teenagers. We want the world to understand and listen to teenagers better. We're not going to do that just by making some plays in North London. And we can't tour. Like, it's too much work, it's too much money, and it, like, it's environmentally disastrous. But what we can do is share all our stuff with anyone anywhere in the world, and they can adapt it however they like, and we don't really mind as long as it's useful for them. And if they can make use of it, then they should have it. And maybe we could, you know, exchange with them too. And presumably, yeah, that connection does happen. Have any of you had exchanges or connected with anybody else from other companies? Bailey? We, we did like a global session of Company 3 with all the other companies that are also doing the time capsule. And there was like maybe two or three members from each company, plus like some of the staff that was there as well. And it was good to like see their take on it and like be able to compare it to ours. So how many people was on that Zoom call? I mean, there's about 100 on that one. Yeah, but there 100. Is, there's one tomorrow with two more than 200. Woo! I know. So is, is that the kind of drawing together of Time Capsule from all of those companies around the world? Yeah. Wow. Not all. I mean, there's only 47 companies coming tomorrow. <laughs> that sounds absolutely amazing. Let me ask you about the way that arts funding kind of works or doesn't work. I'm guessing that probably Ned and Angie probably do most of the work to try and get in kind of project funds. Um, but I'd be interested to know whether, yeah, any of you guys are thinking about in the future trying to secure some funding for your own work or whether you've got that far yet. Um, and I'd also be just interested to know any kind of impressions you have about how the system currently works. Um, Kezia, you look like you were going to jump in. <laughs> So I feel like C3 kind of 
show this a little bit from the um, the world of funding. Because as far as I know, you know, Super is not doing too badly. They work really hard to secure funding for us. And they make sure we've got everything we need, you know. They did get funding recently and they decided to gift us with laptops for anyone who needed it, which was really helpful. Thank you, Supri. And it's amazing that you do what you do actually without regular funding. I mean, just in terms of the sort of scale of the work and, the, you know, you've C3's been on telly with its shows. It's been from the national to in Manchester to London. You know, you've you've played in some of the kind of UK's biggest and most prestigious venues. And yet you yourselves don't receive any sort of regular funding. Yeah, we're small. <laughs> like we've just, you know, we've just run a 215 company international project and we've got four staff um and and that's just a bit of it like we've done about six other projects at the same time that we haven't really shouted about because they've been with i don't know groups have looked after young children in islington like a project that angie just ran or you know i've just run a four day training course with artists who we think are you know who come from underrepresented backgrounds in youth theater and we want to change that um so there's lots of stuff that we are doing on the side as well as running the big project um and it's interesting, and, it's interesting, Ned, that you seem to be, as a company, you all seem to be kind of as busy and as engaged and as connected as ever. Do you think there's a connection there between your scale and the way that you work with people on a sort of week-to-week basis that's meant that you've found, in what seems to be from the outside anyway, a very fleet of foot way to adapt, to carry on working, to... to I, con- also, I think there wasn't a choice. Like, I, you know, I think there isn't a choice to stop because... Loads of people rely on us. You know, you can see in the companies, the theatre companies who are working really hard, the Slunglows and the Eden Courts and the Albany's and, you know, those companies who are working really hard. Like, it's not a choice, I don't think. It's that you have a load of people who have been relying on you, who are your audiences, who are your participants, who are whatever. And, like, um, you know, it's really clear that those companies who have existing relationships with the people around them... um, have stepped up in the pandemic, but they haven't stepped up to do something different. They're just doing like a an amplified version of what they've already they've always done. Um, so all we're doing is providing support and connection and a space to express themselves to a group of teenagers. And like we've done one project, and I think in some ways we got it really right. In other ways, it, it hasn't been quite right. And like, but but we're we're pushing and trying. And and part of that support is making sure that everyone's got a laptop because how's Kezia going to do her schoolwork? Not that Kezia's doing any because she's like GCSE and like she's had all exams cancelled. Um, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, Kezia Adewale <laughs> is doing lots of work. Mr. Mrs. Um, <laughs> um, like people need looking after, right? And part of theatre is listening and looking after. I think people think theatre is a telling thing, but I think theatre is a listening thing. And so if you're going to do that, you have to be genuinely engaged with people rather than just like pulling them in whenever you need like, you know, a more diverse audience for your press night. And it's a family thing, as you have all said. You've all used the word family, I think, kind of consistently. But yeah, that's the idea of a kind of second family or a second network, you know, people that you can connect with and that will support you in in some way. When you guys are looking to the future, are there things that you've done with C3 which have, have kind of helped you think about of what you're changing now, but also what you might change in the future? Elia, are there things about the work that you've done with C3 that you're thankful for a hundred percent i think especially this product project um the time capsule has made me realize that i have an interest in directing because when filming these videos it's all about 
for me personally, it's like I go into depth into it, like how I want to film it, what angles I want it to be at. And I feel like I didn't realise that one thing that I really did like doing was directing. So I think from now on, I will look at my work and I'll think, like, am I interested, how interested am I in directing a piece of work so I think it really has shifted because before the only thing I would think about is just becoming an actress or like being a singer and a dancer but I never thought about going behind the scenes and becoming a director or even being able to do both. That's great have there been just sort of discoveries like that for for others what about you Bailey? Well once I finish college I'm hoping to just throw myself into um, acting because that's the only road for me. That's where my head is going and there's nothing going to sway me. And something that Company Free has helped me with is um, focusing my drive on onto that and also just like kind of reassuring me that you're in a place where you can get there because like, there's people from Company Free who, who were in Company Free before it was Company Three who are now at a place where I want to be and it's given me like an idol to look up to and so, someone to strive to not to be them but like to try and get better than if that makes sense it makes total sense yeah it makes total sense and good luck with it i will i will follow your career with interest in 10 years time i'll be able to say i was on a crap zoom <laughs> <laughs> i think something that i hope we offer like whether you go on and become an actor or whether you whatever like the industry doesn't it's not a very hospitable place for actors like but the the industry but where people really succeed is by being a maker and like combining that so we look at Michaela Cole or you know uh, artists like her and you know they write their own stuff and they make their own stuff and they make it happen as well and so it's kind of an entrepreneurial spirit in that and when I like when I look at Bailey I know that like Bailey has the capacity to do all of that. Um, and that's an extra, there's a whole load more strings then to your bow, right? And and also a, a better chance of expressing yourself as you want to express yourself rather than to be cast in a part as well. And do you feel, Ned, that there are things that, from your point of view, as somebody who has run this company since 2008 and has supported generations of young people who've come through it, and when you look at amazing people we've talked to tonight but the other members of your company and then when you look at the rest of the sector and you think about um how hospitable or how welcoming that sector is are there things that you would love to what are the things that you always want to change for sort of almost on behalf of the young people that you that you work with and have worked with over the last 12 years where do you start (laughs) um ticket prices um but ticket prices is one thing, but like the work, do you, you guys, I'm not going to say the show because it feels a bit mean, but we went to see a show together quite a lot. I think definitely Bailey and Alana, I think you were there. Katia, I can't remember, really, I can't remember, but like, I just remember you guys coming out and it should have been the show that you absolutely like loved, right? But there was something that killed it for us. And I think it was like the the resonances of the space that it was being performed in do you know what I mean I think it was almost too polite to its space and I think there's something about it's not just ticket prices is it it's like it's atmosphere it's who's running the building it's who greets you at the door it's the way you're made to feel it's the it's whether you can afford to buy some chips in the bar and like it's whether you feel like you're allowed in the bar 
We had a load of young people who were regularly going to the Barbican and the National Theatre to do their homework, but they were never going to see the plays because they, it was like really quiet in the daytime. But then they were getting kicked out because they weren't buying coffees. And like, <laughs> there's something, there are these buildings that are publicly funded, something kind of feels really wrong about, yeah, and really disconnected with then like a load of outreach departments then going out trying to find young people to do their work. <laughs> You know, they're in the building or they're nearby or they could be using that building. Like, Does that resonate with you guys in terms of your experience of going in those kind of, yeah, those big institutions, those big venues? Is it, yeah, how does it feel? Uh, that is so true. That is, uh, that is like literally such a truth. Like, I really like to go see operas and stuff. And they're not massively expensive because I'm a young person and, people plug me a lot but like when we're there it just feels like such a massive space and I just I feel like I wouldn't want to go there by myself or I don't I don't buy any of the snacks there I'm just like yeah and the atmosphere is a lot different to I don't know we went to see uh, Misty at Trafalgar Square Studios and that was so it was it was so good like and I felt like I felt at ease in that space and what you say is just completely true like some institutions you go there and you just don't really feel in the right place and I feel like that kind of carries over to if you go watch a show like sometimes it's overshadowed by the fact that you're in this massive institution you just don't feel because you're like with Misty it's interesting I felt like you guys were were the primary audience do you know what I mean that's what Arinze was like that's who he was writing for like he went to an Islington school but like but also, like when it, when buildings don't don't think of you as the primary audience, do you know what I mean? When they're making the show or marketing the show, they're not they're not like looking at Kezi or Bailey or Alana or Leah or Angie. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? They're like they're looking at someone who looks different, who has more like experience in certain areas or more money or more. Do you know what I mean? Or more, like more knowledge of how to act in that space. Well, look, thanks, guys. It's been amazing. Thank you, David. It's lovely to spend the time with you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, guys. Cheers. You guys, we're into Game of Werewolves now. We hope you enjoyed this fourth episode of Culture Plan B. Big thanks to Angie, Bailey, Ned, Kezia, Aaliyah and Alana. If you want to find out more about Company 3's work, then visit www.company3.co.uk and do visit coronavirustimecapsule.com to find out more about this amazing global project. You can contact us at Culture Plan B with ideas for the podcast by emailing us at cultureplanb at gmail.com and do follow us on Instagram or Twitter for info on future episodes. This episode was researched and presented by David Jubb. The editors and sound mixers are Ian Dickinson and George Dennis. The music is from Don't Tell Me by Conrad Murray and Kate Nate from BAC's Beatbox Academy. Communication support from Antonio Goddard. With thanks to David Bellwood for helping us to make the series more inclusive and accessible. Original artwork by John Borser and the producer and creator is Matthew Dunster. Don't tell me how to 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 Don't tell me how to